1: Welcome back. So been getting a lot of uh, questions. You guys are way overreacting to this Amazon Realogy thing. I mean, I probably had 20 or maybe even more emails about this. So I'm going to drill down on this. We talked about this on the podcast yesterday. We're going to talk about it a little bit, and then Julie and I are going to finish off what we started yesterday with regards to Alex's great email about the mindset of service all the while being profit-focused, which is the conflict he was having, and I know many of you have it as well. I personally had it when I was starting in real estate, and I know Julie did as well. It's one of these normal things that if you're not raised with money, if you're not raised by people who you know have and maintain wealth, then you're never going to know how to actually have or obtain it, your, or have or maintain it yourself. So, we're going to be uh, drilling down more and hopefully drive the points home about the fact that there is no conflict between wealth accumulation and being of service to other people. But before we get to that, first of all, Julie, welcome to today's podcast.
0: Yes,
2: thank you. It's been uh, fun kind of di- deep diving into this topic because you're right, virtually everyone deals with this at one point or another. So, I'm looking forward to it.
1: It's part of the head junk that holds a lot of you back uh, from actually being successful at anything because you have an innate conflict that you don't even acknowledge with regards to basically making money. And that's, uh, you know, it's easier for you to make money when someone pays you because there's a, you can, in your mind, you're not the one that's taking the money from the customer. That's somehow, you know, you're just part of a gear in a machine. So when you're employed by somebody, you don't have any conflicts with taking the money from your employer matter of fact you know employees have a constant rub with their employer that they always think they should be getting more you know that type of thing but as soon as you start working for yourself isn't it interesting how all this head junk about money actually starts to filter through so again we're going to drill down that all right so i'd like to put a period at the end of the sentence so i do not have to respond to any more emails with regards to realogy and uh amazon now, a lot of you do not have um, a long, uh, you know, history of being in real estate. Many of you have been in this business for less than 10 years, which is good. Long time, I'm not, you know, no doubt. Um, it, we track our uh, the analytics, if you will on our podcast, and we know that 61% are women, and most of you guys are, you know, in your 40s and 50s, and there's, but there's a huge group of people that are in their 20s and 30s that are starting to listen, um, and we also know that our mix of brand new agents, mid agents, top producing agents, it's all pretty much exactly how you'd expect it to be when looking at a swath of, you know, you know 25 to 30,000 agents that listen on a regular basis, so we don't skew any particular direction. We are our podcast listeners are like a direct mirror of an R study of the average agent. You know, if you were to take a slice of the million three or whatever members of National Association of Realtors and you're just take a random, you know, slice of all those people, their ratios would look probably very similar to ours because we've got so many people that tune in to us every day. All right. Now with that said, a lot of you were not around in the business in the nineties. And so you don't know that pretty much All every idea you think is new, uh, especially the ones coming out of the tech companies, aren't new. They're just rehashes of old ideas. This Amazon thing, working with Realogy, is the same way. So I'm going to really break this down so you guys can understand how this will actually play out because some of you are absolutely panicked by this. All right, so here's really the bottom line. Nothing in your world is going to change, really. That's what's going to happen, and here's why. Back in the day – you would have um, relocation companies. And those of you who have been in the business for as long, if not longer, Mm -hmm. than Jules and I, there were like Sendent and there were a whole bunch of other ones. And these reload companies would, say, for example, you were working in um, Columbus, Ohio, where Julie and I sold real estate. It was normal for people in certain price ranges to be referred or to have to relocate out to pick your city in another place in the country. And part of their reload deal, because these were, we worked with a lot of mid level managers and bosses and vice presidents and things like that when we were selling real estate in Albany, especially. Mm -hmm. And they always had reload packages. Now, remember, guys, this is back in the 90s. This sort of thing doesn't really exist anymore, but I'm going to bring it up to date so you can understand that none of these ideas are new. So, what would happen is you decide, you know, you're going to move from working at, let's say, for example, the limited, and you're going to get a job at, I don't even know where, some other, you know, clothing retailer in some other part of the country. And part of the deal you'd get would be not just the normal stuff, but also a reload package. And part of the reload package was always a, um, they would cover all your moving expenses, but they would also give you a guaranteed buyout on your house. So now all they were doing is basically using the corporation's money. They weren't actually doing it. This wasn't like an I-buyer situation, so don't overthink what I'm saying. This was just a, uh, you know, in in essence, all they were doing is just basically uh, overseeing the reload process on behalf of the employer. But the way that these reload companies made their money was a little bit gross from an agent's perspective. So many, many real-life examples I can give you, but here's the one that just rises to my mind. Had a buyer, put a buyer in a house. Uh, Buyer lived in the house for four or five years. Buyer gets new job. Buyer, you know, obviously, you know, is a seller now, and they get a new job someplace. If I remember correctly, it was working for like the Gap out in San Francisco. They called me out and they said, um, you know, to list the house, and they said that they had to, quote unquote, in order to get their reload deal, quote unquote, had to interview somebody from I think it was Coldwell Banker or Prudential because that was the association uh, with the reload company and then you know, they have to then basically interview both people, me and this other person, and maybe a third person would come out, uh, even though they wanted to list with us because we had this relationship with them. And so the Relo company would put pressure on them to work with the one that they were referring out from Coldwell Bank or Sendent, whatever it was. And the question is why, because that uh, Relo company was charging this is how they made their money, which, or one of the ways they made their money, was charging a referral fee to the broker for, uh, you know, for basically that business. That's how it worked. So one of these companies would, you know, had this relationship with Sendent. Sendent would say, we've got this listing lead. This person needs to list right away, 123 Elm Street. The referral fee, and those referral fees started out at 25%. We would get some of these occasionally, but then we stopped taking them because we could get the listings without having to pay the referral fee, which is what I'm about to share with you. And then they crept up to like 37%. But here's how the referral fees work. Follow me on this. And again, I'm I'm oversimplifying this so those of you who have been in the business for a while, you know that I'm skipping some things. So I'm just trying to basically make a point. If the commission was $10,000, let's say, on the list side, don't overanalyze what I'm saying. Just listen to what I'm saying. Here's how it would work. The commission uh, would be 10 grand. There would be a let's just say 40% in some cases, and I know in some cases you guys are paying more now, which is batshit crazy. So there'd be a 40% referral fee that would come off the top before your broker split. And a lot of times the brokers would even make you make you be on a 50/50 split in order to get a referral from one of these referral companies. So you would be an agent. You'd put the list. You know, let's say you took the listing, you sold the listing before you even basically made a dime for yourself, you are working for way less than fifty percent between the referral fee that you had to pay to the reload company and between your broker split. And a lot of times you were working for usually twenty five percent. So you take out a, a listing for ten thousand, you know, and the commission would come in and it would be ten thousand dollars, you as the agent would end up basically getting paid maybe twenty five hundred bucks or thirty five hundred bucks, depending on what your commission split was. And so what ended up happening in all those cases was um, we would go on these listing appointments and sometimes we didn't have a relationship with the seller. They were just, were, you know, choosing to call us out because they perceived us as being one of the top agents in the market in the marketplace. Hold on, sneezing. Sorry. Thank you. And I tried to cover it and you hit mute in time. It didn't work. So uh, what would happen yeah. then is they'd call us out. Um, and we had no relationship, they'd say we want to list with us, but then they would say, but we're getting a lot of pressure from our Relo company and to pay this Relo fee, or we're, we're fearful that we're not going to get our Relo benefits, which we really need, to which we would say, you do not have to list with the other agent. The uh, Relo company and the, uh, the person uh, specifically that you're speaking with is on a commission trying to pressure you to use this other company. So just ask the Relo company what happens if you list with Tim and Julie or list with your own realtor. And the answer is they still get their benefits and nothing happens. So these reload companies were putting a lot of pressure on these sellers because they were making a commission off the back end. Sounds convoluted, doesn't it? But that's how it worked. And there's versions of how that's working now. I like personally – I, you know, from Julie and I don't sell real estate anymore, haven't for a long time. But I don't mind referral fees from a friend or from another. You know, it, all the normal ways makes total sense. A lot of people make a lot of uh, money from doing referral fees. I like the way Dave Ramsey does his referral fees. If you can be an ELP, if he chooses you, if you can maintain the status because he actually values, you know, he'll you actually have to have a certain level of performance. But then they charge, I think, 25%. That kind of makes sense to me. That's a good deal. And there's some other deals like that as well. But the way these reload companies work, inevitably the way that this Amazon deal with Relogy agents is going to work is that it's going to be a terrible deal for the listing agent. So that means that any experienced agent is going to not want the business not want the referral for these amazon leads because it's going to be too expensive and because they can make they can probably get the listing anyway so julie and i would go out the seller would then say, "I have to, you know, interview this agent that's being referred, and I have to interview maybe one other agent that I just threw on there, just for the sake of, you know, placating the relo company because they said I'm supposed to interview three people." Then Julie and I would show them that they would still get the relo benefits if they would list with us, and we could cut the relo company out. Now, what would happen is the relo company would actually call us after we took the listing, and the seller said, "I'm choosing to list with Tim and Julie," and the relo company then would try to put the screws to us to pay a referral fee, and they would do it by saying look, we'll refer other business to you. They were lying. They won't refer other business to you. They were doing it just to try to get a referral fee from us for the business that we took. Get it? So what you'll discover – is that, uh, uh, yes, there will be sellers who will be motivated for a $5,000 gift card or whatever to Amazon to interview or maybe even hire an agent to basically list their property, but the agents who are uh, going to get the leads are not going to be very, generally speaking, skilled agents, otherwise they would not be willing to work for such onerous, uh, really crappy commission splits and onerous referral fees. So you can easily beat these agents for the most part because of the fact you Now, what, what you're going to have to overcome is the seller perceiving that the $5,000 is an incentive enough for them to want to list with this other agent. And I want you to think about your average sale price and on your average listing what $5,000 actually is. For the most part, it's nothing. And so if you have to have a situation where you, you know, you're know you actually having to justify your value over this other you know Amazon referred agent and the seller's thinking well I get this 5 grand if I list with you know Bob who's associated with Amazon all you've got to do is show them that you can generate easily more than 5000 from the sale and look at Bob's sales t- statistics look it seems like Bob hasn't sold anything it seems like you know that's those types of things this always goes back to the same thing and that's called skills do not be intimidated by these types of things these ideas have been tested and have been you know, look, you cannot walk I read a great comment someone was talking about this on Inman actually and there was a guy that had been in the business that sounded like since like 1902 and he was rattling off all the different iterations of this same idea that other companies and banks and retailers and all these hilarious sort of Ford was doing something like this uh, there were different like uh, American Express used to give you a travel voucher, this all the way back in time. And these ideas have always been, you know, hashed and rehashed, hashed and rehashed. And so do not be intimidated by it. Do not in any way think that's going to have some sort of meaningful uh, you know, harm to you, except if you're not willing to actually learn how to be a powerful listing agent and you're not willing to have a pre-listing pack. Know how to compete. Know how to overcome objections. If, you're not, if you think you're just going to coast through and just pick up easy luck-based business, then, yeah, you then have a, this could represent a legitimate threat to you in your attempt to get the lowest-hanging fruit, Uh, for maybe centers of influence and past clients. I don't worry about this from a coach's perspective for the sake of our clients because we do a really drilled down job of teaching you guys how to be the most dominant listing agents in your marketplace. And that's generally speaking the path that most of you pursue because you realize how much more profitable uh, being a listing agent is. And how you then don't, once you're a listing agent, you have your own inventory. You don't have to worry about bullshit like this. It doesn't even show up on your radar. There could be some new hypey story that comes out six months from now, and you're going to be like, dude, I've got 30 listings. Or, Whatever your magic number is, 10 listings. You don't have to care about crap like this. So that's the thing that you get when you have skills, you're free of the hype. You're free of the hype that comes from, you know, people trying to convince you you have to be a social media, you know, star and how you have to be an influencer. And like I have people that will say, (laughs) it's hilarious, you know, you and Julie are influencers. I know they think that's a a compliment, but I see it as kind of like a silly thing to say. I mean, what does that even mean? It's just so stupid. Really, at the end of the day, if you're saying yes, it's because we're delivering value and helping people, yeah, I'll go with that. But as far as us just putting up plastic, fake, You know, this and the other things. And, you know, I I love how on Instagram specifically, I see it sometimes because we have somebody that does our Instagram stuff for us. But it is funny to me to see how much of it's just fake motivational, you know, poster type stuff. And, yeah, I mean, if that's what being an influencer is, I'll pass. (laughs) Okay? So, by the way, if you guys want to learn more about the coaching program and if you want to have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, Um, to 31996 text the word harris to 31996 and when you do so we're going to give you six free books including the real estate treasure map now if you're in canada we are not the texting thing does not work so your uh, option in uh, canada is just to or australia i know some of you guys in australia are having issues as well your option is to simply go to free coaching calls foragents.com free coaching calls plural for agents plural.com and then you can basically grab the books that way too so a little bit more work but still the same result and also uh thank you for continuing to make harris rules the number one um i was told that at barnes and noble's reordering it i love getting the little uh, screenshots of you guys buying the book at amazon i'm sorry on uh, at barnes Noble it's thrilling for us to have our book on the bookshelves and hearing that it's selling out and that people are, you know, the bookstores are reordering. That's really cool. So it's fun. And thank you for participating in that success. And thank you for recognizing the book for what we feel will be the new benchmark for anyone that's seeking long-term success in real estate. All right. So Julie is going to read the second half of an email that we received yesterday just to catch you guys back up um, on speed and what we're talking about today. We're wrapping up the topic that we started yesterday, which was regards to in regards to uh, Alex's email. So Julie.
2: Yeah. So again, thank you to Alex for sending this in. This is the second part where he he continues. Is this better?
0: Okay. Yes, much. So
2: Alex continues. Uh, he says, I just had one big question while reading and listening. In your book and podcast, you talk about, quote, being of service to other people. However, when I read through the key elements of being a real estate agent, which he says, and rightfully, even in the right order, generate the lead, lead, follow up, pre qualify, present, negotiate, and close. Most of it has to do with prospecting and finding and maintaining clients. I understand that that's what it takes to make money, but where is the service part of it all? What are we actually providing clients that is of value to them? It seems like with the advent of Internet, people are able to do it for themselves, most of what agents had to do to, quote, earn their keep in the past. So what am I providing that is worthy of that 3% commission? Anyway, I hope my question makes sense. If it doesn't, I'd love to sit down and clarify any points that were not communicated well. Again, thank you so much. I love you guys from Alex.
1: All right, so yesterday we talked, that about the mindset, we talked about the mindset of being of service to other people. We talked about the mindset of, of understanding that uh, essentially the most influential people in the history of history have always been salespeople. If you hadn't listened to that uh, podcast from yesterday, please go ahead. Uh, same title, uh, just was called Part 1, so you'll, it's easy to find. Now, with regards to Alex's secondary question, guess what? That information that you think it has it, it become um, what would be the word? Um, fungible okay there 's a good word that is essentially a way of describing how ubiquitous the information is that uh, you think consumers are putting a lot of value on. The reality of it is is all that data is overwhelming, and they need somebody who can dissect and translate the data and that 's by the way another reason why the tech companies can never replace you. They can provide more quote-unquote transparency, but what they're not doing is they're not translating the data in such a way that a consumer can understand. Um, and Alex, if I remember correctly, you were new in the business, so I'll just break this down for you even further. There are so many nuanced things, like Julie and I are going to be putting our house for sale soon in Austin, Texas, for example, and we're moving to Puerto Rico, as some of you guys know, and yes, it's a huge risk, and yeah, Julie and I may need to go see a psychologist after this big move because this has been massively stressful, but that is... on our street there are little differences between not just the houses obviously houses are built and this is a custom-built home not a you know mass produced builder situation so every house is built to a different standard but also whether the house is on this side of the street or that side of the street and so, if you are just looking, at, if you are just looking, as most consumers would, not knowing about the different build qualities of each house, not knowing that houses on one side of the street are worth more than the other side of the street, not knowing all that stuff, you would then just go to the rudimentary core data of cost per square foot, for example, or maybe the age of the house. You'd start thinking like an analytical appraiser, appraiser, and that's how you would go about maybe thinking that you had market knowledge. Well, you have cursory market knowledge of that information, and that's the same basic information that anyone can get anywhere online. So, what do you do with this? Your value comes in being a true expert at your market conditions. And if you're just getting started in real estate, or if you've been into business for a long time, you already know what I'm saying is true. You migrate towards a specific city or a specific maybe uh, even a neighborhood within a city. Everyone does that because then they can master a per- the particular nuances of a community. I'll give you a really great example. Rob Johnson, who is um, arguably, I'm pretty sure he is, the number one uh, real estate agent in Greenwich, Connecticut. Rob got into real estate about five years ago, and in that amount of time, he's gone from – you know. Zero to Hero, and he's done it in one of the most competitive, highest price markets in the world. You guys can go to his uh, website. I believe it's robertjohnson.com. If not, just Google him. So he's been a personal coaching client of mine since basically he decided to really take his real estate career uh, beyond just investing. And one of the things that he's done is, and Greenwich is not that big, it's small, but he specializes or really focuses on a specific area of Greenwich, old Greenwich, waterfront properties in Greenwich. And if you ask him any specific knowledge about, uh, you know, any specific question about the houses, he can then give you actual historical information on those houses that you're never, ever going to find online. He's going to tell you things about, the, you know, the, maybe even the families that lived there back in the 20s and the 30s. He's going to tell you why this house sitting on this water in this particular location is better than another similar something that might look the same from pictures. That is the difference between somebody who's a, truly an expert who deserves the business and somebody who doesn't. And if you – time now, look, you are going to, some of you, you're going to sell in more normal price ranges where there's track homes. But even in track home neighborhoods, there are still new differences proximity, how far it's buried back in the neighborhood. If you're just doing a search, and like any other consumer, and you're just looking at cost per square foot, and this one was built by MI Homes, this is the daughter than, you know, floor plan, and it's got the bonus room, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, but you don't realize because you're not, a, you, and you're just a buyer, and you're doing this homework, and you see this new, li- you know, you're just using Zillow, and you see this new listing come for sale, and you think, well, this house is a great deal, because, you know, maybe houses in this neighborhood normally sell for two 200 a square foot, and this one's only selling for 180. Well, what you're not taking into consideration is that house backs up to a power line, or there's a utility easement that goes to the front yard for a huge oil line, or who knows what. So this is where you really set yourself apart as being an expert, where people will migrate to want to be do business with you. If all you do is deliver the same. Basic information that you can get online, then you have virtually no value, and yes, Alex, then you have something to fear, because then you become fungible, Google that word, and you're easily replaceable by somebody else. When you decide to really drill down like Rob did, and all of our great clients do, then you're going to become somebody who people are going to want to do business with, sellers and buyers both, but prominently sellers, because that's what we focus on, and they're going to see the fact that you know the market, talk to you, about, and learn about things that they can't discover any other place. Certainly not online, Julie. You want to drill down on that? Yeah.
2: Well, there's so many different examples of this, uh, and you've given some great ones on how to actually bring value. You know, we—you made me think of uh, our other property here in Austin that we're going to be leasing, and it was amazing that the estimates of what people thought it would lease for ranged by more than $2,000 apart. That's crazy. From somebody who probably spent five minutes on it. Okay. You know screwing around online probably, to other people who we've spoken with who have actual real market knowledge and experience. So yes, it is more challenging as a newer agent, but there's also the benefit that you have of time. If you don't yet have your magic number of listings, you have a lot more time to go previewing and learning. And you know, maybe you're surrounded by new construction. Go learn all of the models. What do you get for the money? Who's building what? Who's got builder financing? I, I also see this, Tim, in Premier Coaching, the agents who are not bringing value to their buyers, for example, because all they're using is the MLS versus, for example, what we have posted in Premier Coaching, 16 ways to find inventory other than the MLS. So how are you bringing real value? And I think, you know, it's almost, in a sense, it's almost easier to show your value because they're so overwhelmed by what's online. I remember uh, when my brother and sister-in-law were looking for a property Connie told me, she said, I've given up using Zillow because their information never is up to date. I'm just going by word of mouth now. She was just relying on people in the neighborhood, bird dogs we used to call them, right, to bring her information. And in fact, they ended up buying something that never was in the MLS. So there's lots of ways to bring value. But yes, you have to go beyond what's just you know, at your fingertips on Google or realtor.com or your MLS you've got to actually be boots on the ground. And that's one of the things we talk about a lot in Premier Coaching is how to bring that value specifically. And as I was uh, getting ready and rereading Alex's email, I also reminded myself that just through – there's a a great post on uh, uh, NAR's website, which I'm going to then post on premier so that they can find it easily. That's a huge list of realtor benefits that you can pass along to your clients. 10, 20, 30% discounts at home Depot. That's Lowe's. an awesome
1: idea. Costco, even, yep.
2: you know, Costco has got a mortgage program where you don't pay any points. I'm sure you have to qualify and have, you know, the usual things, but there are, uh, you know, I think there's an even deeper discount. If you are with like home Depot as a rehabber, you can buy things at almost wholesale cost. Uh, Wayfair online has those. So if you were passing along those discounts, what is it? I think Lowe's has like a first-time mover discount for boxes and, you know, paint and stuff like that. So I think that you can recreate a lot of those things. Like you were talking at the top of this podcast about the whole uh, $5,000 worth of Amazon benefits. Well, you can easily put together your own list of local benefits And even in addition to the NAR list, you probably have people in your own center of influence that would pass along some discounts. Maybe you know somebody who owns a bakery or a coffee shop or something like that that will do maybe a lifetime 20% discount for you bringing that business into them to your clients as well as you. So this isn't hard, but you do have to make the effort. And I'm going to toss it back to you, Tim, so I can get ready to take care of my premier clients.
1: Right, so just so you guys know, where Julie goes right after this podcast is, she hops over to Premier Coaching, and that uh, as part of a Premier a benefit of being a Premier Coaching member is, you get a daily, <laughs> semi-private coaching call with uh, Julie Harris, and so you can, you know, real if you're a Premier Coaching member right now. You not only would have access to all of the information we give you, listing presentations, pre-listing pack, buyer pre-qualification script, seller pre-qualification script, all kinds of different ways you can communicate your centers of influence and path. Just tons, everything you could possibly ever need. Uh, you know, how to work with banks, how to work with builders, everything you could possibly imagine you'd ever need for your real estate business now and in the future. But in addition to all that, you get a daily semi private coaching call with Head Coach Julie Monday through Thursday and with Rochelle on Friday. And Rochelle discusses short sales, REOs, and all that good stuff. That's still not even touching all the value of Premier Coaching. You can There's a knowledge base that uh, has been created over the years. So if you have a question, it does not matter really what it is at this point because this knowledge base is so in-depth. You just enter the question in. We call it Coaching on Demand. And it will send you back. Most times, at least a textual response, but almost always an audio link where you can hear Julie answering that exact question as if you'd asked it to her directly. And you can have access to that 24 7. And then we have, of course, our private members only Facebook page and stuff and, and all those types of things. So, look, guys, premier coaching is the answer that most of you have been looking for. Buying leads and doing all the half assed marketing stuff, not to mention the stuff, the branding, really anything that's discussed at most real estate events. If you have yet to discover that, that's stuff is just a waste of money, uh, just shorten your learning curve and accept the fact that if anybody is trying to tell you that you can be successful by not doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level... They are lying to you. That is similar to saying you want to get in shape and lose weight without having to change your diet or exercise. You have to know that that is true. So t- stop being susceptible to the easy button and start accepting the fact that the real estate business is, number one, all about being of service to other people. And hopefully, you made that point between today's podcast and yesterday's podcast. But it's also about you doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Your homework from today's podcast is if you not requested a free coaching call yet, Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. If you'd like to communicate with me directly, as so many of you do, you can feel free to text me at 512-758-0206. Your texts are actually a nice distraction from the moving hell that Julie and I are in right now. don't know what the heck we were thinking, but here we are. Anyway, 512-758-0206. Just text me. um, You know, I love your words of encouragement. It's really nice to read those things. So sweet, some of you guys taking so much time to really, you know, give us praise and, and being grateful and thankful for the influence that you've allowed us to have in your lives, and all that really is wonderful, and I appreciate it. But also, if you have any uh, ideas or questions, like Alex did, with that triggered this, I think, great couple of podcasts. Hopefully, you guys agree. Then yeah, send those on as well. Um, yeah, and anything we can do at any time to be of service to you—that is our professional mission in life. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.